Welcome to the Empowered Homes podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to be a resource to connect church and home by growing strong families. Hey, this is Bobby. Today on the show, we have Jim Dennison with us. We recorded this episode at our uh, Empowered Homes Family Ministry Conference, and uh, Dr. Dennison was uh, just incredible. As we talked about for parents, um, one of the ways we are the primary faith trainer is we we must capture God moments daily. Those those times where the culture can influence our homes, we can leverage that to disciple our kids. The, the headlines in the newspaper, uh, the things on TV, all of those are opportunities for us to disciple our kids. So I talk with uh, Jim about how do we leverage culture and the things going on for us to disciple our kids. He talks about how we can transform culture in the name of Jesus instead of letting culture transform us. It's really great. Um, he is super sharp. You can find more about Jim Dennison at the denisonforum.com or you can find more information on empoweredhomes.org. This is another episode in our Empowered Homes Conference. It's live uh, as the conference is going on right now. There's a lot of exciting things happening. And so, uh, Jim, welcome. Glad so to glad have to you. be. Thank you, Bobby. So glad to be with you today. Yeah. So for the audience that's listening, they may have never heard Jim Dennison, um, which is a shame. But if they haven't ever heard your name, like, just who are you? For the three people in the world that, exactly. that, that might be true for, uh, <laughs> certainly the case. Born in Houston. Born and raised, uh, Houston Baptist University became came to faith in Christ through a bus ministry from College Park Baptist Church in Southwest Houston. And wow. uh, my father was a Sunday school teacher, fought in the Second World War, and never went to church again. So I grew up in a loving home with no spiritual life and all my dad's questions. And it was that bus ministry of that Baptist church in Southwest Houston that knocked on my door, inviting my brother and me to ride the bus to church. And that's how we heard the gospel and came to faith in Christ. Wow, so, that's awesome. Born and raised in Houston, went through high school, Sharpstown High School, and Houston Baptist University. And back in 1980, dinosaurs still roaming the earth and all of that. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I married, moved off to Southwestern Seminary, where I did a PhD and taught on their faculty for some years in philosophy of religion. And from there, pastored First Baptist Church in Midland, Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church in Atlanta, came to Dallas in 1998 to pastor Park City's Baptist Church there. And then 10 years ago, started a writing and speaking ministry focused full-time on trying to think about biblical um, worldview in the context of cultural issues. Yeah. How do we speak the truth in love? How do we equip people to understand why the culture does what it does, why it's moving where it is, and how can we respond to that in a way that's biblical? So the brand that I lead is called Denison Forum. Our listeners can find that at Denison, D-E-N-I-S-O-N, forum.org. I write an email each morning, a devotional article that we send out around 5, 5.30 in the morning to 170,000 subscribers, wow. 203 countries. And then I do a lot with Twitter and Facebook and uh, YouTube videos and podcasts and such. Our audience last month was a little more than 800,000 or wow. so. Wow. We have a growth trajectory right now to grow to 6.5 million over the next three years. We're excited about that. We also have First 15, which is a 15-minute experience with God, a devotional experience that my son actually writes. It has devotional resources and uh, worship video and guided prayer time. Yeah. Christian Parenting is a website your listeners might be interested yes. in, trying to equip parents to raise children to know and love God. And then we have a website that my wife leads relative to her Bible teaching ministry. Yeah. And so all of that's under Denison Ministries is the umbrella. And what I specifically do is the cultural engagement piece, which is Denison Forum. Wow. 
So all that to say, we are honored for you to be here. My privilege. At Kingsland, but honored to have you on the podcast. It, it's, man, it's incredible just to have you here and in person and just to pick your brain. Uh, I've been listening to you, following you, I get your emails, and uh, just your biblical worldview on current topics and current events is just uh, so insightful and helpful uh, as as a leader of, of people and a leader of leaders it helps me to frame conversations and it's just so good so definitely if you're listening uh, Denison Forum incredible uh, content and, and easy uh, a lot of times you get into different content and uh, it's so over over the top or over your head like I feel like you're so practical and so easy to read and so easy to to relate to and it's just so so good so we are honored to have you my privilege and and here in a few minutes you're gonna talk to our whole group um, at the at the conference but while I have you I just want to pick your brain on a few things Um, we're real big here at Kingsland on equipping our parents to be the primary faith trainers and what that means is three things that we challenge them to do one is to have faith talks at home that can be anything from uh, a intentional time with their kids where they plan something where they're talking about their faith they're talking about the bible they're talking about prayer this can be you know family devotional or whatever it can also just be the car ride where uh, as a parent i'm just going to say i'm committing to have faith talks faith conversations about god during this 10 minute car ride and just being super intentional so that's the first action step the second action step is capturing God moments. And what we mean by that is there's stuff that happens every day, all day that God is showing and revealing himself through his Holy Spirit to, to allow us to leverage those things for discipleship. You know, things that are in the news, uh, things that happen at school, the kid gets cut from the team. There's so many different variables for us to, to use and leverage those God moments to disciple our kids. And the third one is celebrating the milestones. There's milestones in every kid's life, both on the calendar and off the calendar, that we can leverage for discipleship. So all that to say, uh, I'd really love to kind of just talk to you about the second one of capturing God moments. It's unplanned. It's just stuff that's happening in our culture that we can use and leverage for discipleship. Um, as a parent, if, if a parent's listening, you know, what? how do we have that biblical worldview that when those things happen, it just is a natural part. How do we let that become natural? Because so many times it's hard. We're just so focused on what's next instead of when we see it on the news or see something in, in the culture. How do we let that be a natural part of us to have conversations with our kids? Does that make sense? No, that's <laughs> a lot to get to that question. but That's a great question. I love the fact that you're wanting to be so intentional about the cultural experiences that our children have. I have two sons who are both married to wives. They both married over their heads just like I did. No question about that. And then they have given us four grandchildren. Wow. It's been said that grandparenting is the only job in life that's not overrated. Mm. And I absolutely can certify <laughs> that good. to be the case. I've got three grandsons that are amazing and one granddaughter. We haven't had a girl in our family in generations. Wow. Uh, inherited original sin skipped her somehow. I don't know how that happened, but she is perfect and brilliant and beautiful. Her father doesn't entirely agree with my assessment, but he's just wrong about that, you know. And so having been a father and now a grandfather, one of the things that we've come to understand over the years is that being intentional about how they experience culture is critical to helping them to evaluate culture in a way that's biblical and in a way that's proactive. There really are five ways the okay. churches relate to all of this. I'll kind of set that out maybe as a bit of a kind of a foundation for this. Some years ago, a fellow named Richard Niebuhr wrote a book, Christ and Culture. The one approach is Christ against culture. 
You want your kids to have nothing to do with culture. Never watch television, never go to movies, never be engaged in the larger world outside. Just kind of keep them in a very separated sort of a subculture. That's virtually impossible to do today, just on a pragmatic level. And it certainly keeps the salt in the salt shaker. It keeps the light under the basket and keeps us from being the sort of proactive uh, gospel ambassadors that we're to be starting in, in childhood, starting in infancy. Children can reach children in ways adults can't. Teenagers can reach teenagers in ways that adults can't. So to help our kids see themselves as missionaries from a very early age is really important. So Christ against culture is obviously not the place to be. The other side of it, however, is there are parts of culture we should be against. Hmm. We don't want our children experimenting with pornography, obviously, just so they can be more conversant in it when they talk to their friends. We don't want our children on the dark web. We don't want our children in certain places where it's just unbiblical to be there, obviously. So there are times to be Christ against culture, and it's knowing when Hmm. to be perceptive the opposite side of that is the christ of culture that's where we go where the culture goes yeah where it goes we go we follow its lead if the culture changes its mind on same-sex marriage then we modify our theology accordingly if it adopts uh, abortion as a means of birth control well then we begin endorsing that and obviously there's a lot of the secular culture that we cannot move to obviously we can't but there are places in the culture where we can be christ of culture what we're doing right now as we're using the latest technological means to have this conversation and to communicate biblical truth, is a Christ of culture move. Some would say you couldn't use modern technology because it can be used for evil, but it can also be used for good, for enormous good. good. Some would say you shouldn't be on the Internet because of all of the terrible stuff on the Internet. Yeah, well, why not reclaim that space and use it for good? So there are places to be discerning with the Christ of culture. A third model I'd mention very quickly is Christ above culture. That's a Sunday versus Monday. Be one way at church, another way at school. In principle, that's obviously the wrong answer here. That kind of spiritual schizophrenia where I act one way with you and another way with other friends, and our kids are one way at home and another way at school. And it's a very unhealthy yeah. way to be. On the positive side of that, there are places, again, where Sunday is not Monday. Uh, generally accepted accounting procedures are an appropriate way of managing finances at a business, you know, even if they wouldn't necessarily be what you'd do at a church. There are ways that there can be differences, but in principle, we don't want to be living two worlds, kind of a spiritual schizophrenia. A fourth I mentioned very quickly is Christ and culture and paradox. In this model, we're using the culture in order to bring people to the church. And again, there's great good in that. Mm. A lot of what you're doing as a church is reaching the larger world in the context of family ministry to bring them to the Lord. The downside of that can be we measure success by how many come to us rather than how will we go to them. So the fifth model is in principle the one to consider, and that's the Christ-transforming culture model. So in context of your question, we're teaching our kids not to be afraid of culture, not to adopt what culture is just doing, not to be two people, not to use culture only to bring people to church, but we're wanting to make a difference where the culture is. You want to measure your success by asking, is the divorce rate going down in our culture? Is sex trafficking lessening? Are impoverished people being served? Is the culture being impacted by the gospel on Monday, not just on Sunday? Mm. Can we be change agents? So in practical terms, how can we teach our kids how to watch a television show or go to a movie or see something on the media and social media that we could utilize in a transformative way? That's in principle yeah. the place we want to go. And we can talk about some practical pieces in that if you wish. Yeah, just to unpack, <laughs> there's so much there, just rich uh, information, but... Uh, going back to the 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 Sunday versus Monday, and and I don't want to you know parents, you know, I don't want to guilt them into it, but I, just as you said that, I had a twinge in my heart, and so I know a parent maybe listening and going, yeah, that's me. Like I, I 
I'd act one way Sunday morning around everybody. And then at work or around my friends, like I'm a total different way. Like that's not good for them and their kids, right? Their kids see through that. Huge issue. When our kids see us one way at church and another way out of church. When we talk one way about the pastor and another way to the pastor. Mm. When we say things about the church that we wouldn't say at the church. That's exactly the wrong signal. One of the most damaging things we can do for our kids spiritually is for them to see a disconnect between what we say we believe and what we act out of our beliefs. If they don't see us praying in person, it doesn't really matter as much if they see us praying in church. If the only time they see me reading the Bible is when, as a pastor, I'm preaching a sermon. If they see me acting in private in ways that are inconsistent with public, what I'm teaching them is the Sunday versus Monday, the spiritual versus secular, that there really are two worlds out there, and we're kind of playing at church in a way that's irrelevant to our lives. And that, obviously, is nothing God can bless. That's nothing the Holy Spirit can anoint. And that's a really practical principle for parents. Now, again, it's not a guilt trip. None of us are perfect. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But the the goal is here and the purpose is, and even when we realize we have violated that, then we want to go back to our kids and say, you know, I really wish I hadn't said that. Yeah. I really wish I hadn't behaved that way. I'm sorry that I was so so short-tempered as we brought on our way to church today. The last words our kids don't need to hear when we're getting out of the car at the church parking lot is, okay, shape up, now we're at church. You know, mm, as though yeah. you can be one yeah, way yeah. here and another way there. And on those days when that happens, we want to come back and kind of revisit that and make that a teachable moment, make yeah. that a God moment. Yeah. How could I demonstrate repentance before my yeah, kids? That's How could I demonstrate a teachable spirit before my kids? Yeah, that, you know, this, that Sunday versus Monday um, as a parent, I don't know how many, uh, you know, I, I did student ministry for 15 years before my current role. And I'd have students who would say, like, my parents, I, I've never seen them pray at home. I've never seen them read their Bible. Right. But if you would have told me that about them and what I knew at church, I would have said, there's no way. Because they're always praying up on stage. They're always doing stuff. and They're always teaching. They're, you would say they are the model of what you would want in a leader in the church. And then they're saying, their kids are saying, yeah, they don't do anything at home. And, you know, not again, not to shame or guilt anybody, but if, if that's you're listening and and that's you have a twinge in your heart maybe the holy spirit's convicting you and that's something that you know maybe you need to to reevaluate and examine so you talk practically or you can jump in just one thing to say quickly about that some of that in defense of parents that are at that place a little bit comes from some wrong theology that has been i think in some ways popular kind of the idea that as long as you go to church on sunday you've done your god thing yeah you know kind of you check the box took out the trash walked the dog went to church and we kind of can reinforce that in the institutionalism of the church where we measure success by whether you show up and give money and serve on a committee or whatever and we don't really ask questions about where you are on monday you know if we're not reinforcing that value, we shouldn't be as surprised when even our leaders are doing what we ask them to do. Yeah. We're asking them exactly. to teach a Sunday school yeah. class. We're asking them to be in a life group. We're not asking them to drive that into 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know? so we may not, not be modeling it ourselves. Yeah, it's not necessarily a parent problem. It's, right. a, it's a, maybe a church leadership problem that we've established and allowed this to, to be part of the framework. And, and even in our own lives. As yeah, a pastor exactly. for all these years, I can tell you it's a temptation for me yeah. to think I must be right with God on Monday because I preached a sermon on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. You know? One of the reasons it's really hard to find a lot of, there are exceptions, praise God, but a lot of children of well-known pastors going into ministry yeah. is that they've sometimes seen a disconnect a little yeah. bit. And I understand that. As a pastor of large churches over the years, the pressure there is to be performing, the pressure there is to be perfect on Sunday, the pressure there is to be what everybody expects you to be and evaluates you to be, can be so tough that when you go home, you just want to put that aside. Yeah. And unfortunately, what you're putting aside is your witness before your kids. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've talked to so many pastors who have said, 
like to the staff, I wish I could just be myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a sad place to be where you feel like you have to present yourself in such a way. And that's not good for, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for your heart. It's not good for your kids. It's not. For, and, and so if a ministry leader's listening, I just, I mean, one of the phrases that we say here at Kingsland is, am I the same on stage that I am in my living room? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's our heart and what we want to, to come across. Cause there's times where you're, feel like you're performing and that comes across as whatever but our goal we want to be the same on stage that we are in our living room and if that's your goal the holy spirit will empower that yeah again we don't have to try to be perfect here or think we can be perfect or think if i can't be perfect i shouldn't try yeah as long as that's our goal the holy spirit will help us be that if my goal before my kids is to model what a godly christian character looks like the holy spirit will give me strength i didn't think i had The Lord will make a bad day into a good day. God will give me patience when I didn't think I had patience. If that's my goal. If it's not my goal, he can't give me what I won't take. And so if that's my desire as a result of this conversation, that's really nine-tenths of the battle. That's that's good. So good. So shifting gears, let's talk just practically, like maybe give some examples of stuff that's maybe current events. I I think one of the greatest ways we can disciple our kids is just not uh, using the culture, what we talked about earlier. It's like, how do you, like, you see something on the news and maybe the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is something you should talk to about your kids. Like, maybe give some practical examples of how how do we shape a conversation with a biblical worldview to help um, disciple our kids? Yeah, one principle and then some practices, if yeah. I could. First thing we have to do is understand where the culture is coming from. Mm. Hard to have a conversation if I'm speaking English and you're speaking Spanish, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah. Sure. So let's become conversant in the language of the culture. The culture believes that truth is personal, individual, and subjective. No such thing as objective morality. No such thing as objective truth. It's what the culture is going to be telling us. Mm. Second, the culture says sexuality is your preference. So whether that's who you marry or the gender you marry or how soon you have sex or what you do with your body, from abortion all the way to euthanasia. Third, the culture says if you disagree, your religion's dangerous. I'll be talking about in the conference today. The idea that it's not just outdated and irrelevant, it's actually intolerant in some level. Mm -hmm. So we should expect that to be how the culture represents itself. So our kids are watching TV. We shouldn't be surprised when Christians get caricatured. We shouldn't be surprised when a pro-life position gets made fun of. We shouldn't be surprised when people sleep together on their first date. We shouldn't be surprised when behavior happens in a movie that's so unbiblical. And we want to be teaching our children. My wife used to say this to our kids all the time. Lost kids act like lost kids. Yeah, That doesn't make them better than me. The fact that I happen to have heard the gospel and come to faith in Christ is a gift. Nothing I earned, nothing I deserved. So don't be surprised when people cuss when they should. Never should, obviously, but when they cuss. Don't be surprised when people act in ways they shouldn't act. Expect that on some level is one piece to say. And then the second thing is to say to our kids, in that kind of general context, let's learn how to be specific about what the Bible says about these issues. Here's an example. A good friend of mine who's a counselor in Dallas teaches his kids a game called Spot the Lie. So they're watching television, and there's a little game. Who's the first one of his three children to spot the biblical lie Mm. and say so? Yeah. Someone that can say, that's not true. That's wrong. That's unbiblical. And he taught his kids, even as small kids, not to be paranoid about that, not to miss the enjoyment of watching the show, but to see where it is. And where they miss it, then that's the parent's job to say that. That's good. One good thing about being able to pause the the movie or pause the television show is to be able to take that opportunity. Why do you think they said that? Mm. Why do you think they made fun of Christians there? Why do you think those two people on this first date are doing this or on any date are doing this? Why do you think this is so obviously an unbiblical thing to do and kind of get inside that? Stop it. Take the opportunity there and spot the lie. Then the second thing we can do is say, what would Jesus do? Mm. We're familiar with that as a pattern. It's obviously been a movement for a long time. But that doesn't make it any less valid as a question. 
How would Jesus say that? Yeah. What would Jesus have said to him? What do you think Jesus would have done in that context? And create in their minds a way of thinking like Jesus as opposed to thinking like the world, mm. you know? And then the last thing I'd say on a practical level is while we certainly don't want this to be so oppressive that it's all we do all the time with our kids, you're looking for, if you're looking for opportunities, you will find them. Yeah. If we're saying, Holy Spirit, take control of my life, take control of my parenting, lead me to see the places where I can see these God moments with your eyes, see these opportunities in your spirit, then... He will give you those chances. Yeah. You'll hear yourself say things you didn't plan to say. Yeah. Insights will come to your mind you didn't expect to have. You it's don't huge. have to get a PhD in cultural analysis yeah. for the Holy Spirit to give you ideas yeah. and thoughts if you're willing for him to do it, so. Just being willing <clears throat> to be intentional with whatever it is that comes across. And I, I think one of the things that we miss as you're talking, it hit me of, of you know, for parents being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, they have to be in relationship with God. They're, a lot of times parents, um, we tell them, You're, you need to disciple your kids. They've never been discipled. They're not being discipled. And so there's no active growth in their heart. And so out of the overflow of nothing is nothing. And so we have to, as church leaders and as people and as parents, we have to take care of our heart. And it, out of the overflow of what God's doing with us, then we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit to be able to pour those things out. And I think we miss that key because we're quick to, for you know, family ministry, we give parent resources. Here's all these resources. Do this, do this, do this. Or marriage. Here's marriage stuff. Do this. But we got to focus on the heart and, and help them. If we don't start yeah. there, then we're back to the other place where I'm asking for what I'm not doing. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. If I'm laughing at things I shouldn't be laughing at, I shouldn't expect my kids to do differently. Yeah, than that, true. You know? And I can't all at once pull into a God moment and say, okay, we're going to change personalities here. We're going to shift gears. Yeah. Five minutes ago, fake. that was funny. Now that's wrong. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's got to be a lifestyle. Yeah. And again, I wouldn't want anyone hearing this to feel discouraged by this. Yeah. The point isn't that we can do it perfectly because we can't. It's to make that our goal yeah. and ask the Holy Spirit to make it a reality. Yeah, that's good. And he good. will do that. That's good. Asking for that. And then what you said earlier is so key. When we fail, mm -hmm. it's okay to repent. And ask, and your kids, you'd be blown away. There's so many times I've told my son, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't handle that very well. Will you forgive me? And he's like, Dad, of course. And he's, it's not a big deal for him, but I want him to know I messed up. And that's a huge thing as parents that we can leverage even our own failures. Uh, it's one of the most teachable moments there is. I have often said that God redeems all he allows, and mm. that's one of the ways he redeems our failures is by using them to help our kids have success at wow. that very place. It doesn't mean we go out and fail so we can do that, uh, of <laughs> yeah. course. Of course yeah, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. But what it does mean is we shouldn't expect to be perfect, shouldn't hold ourselves to that standard in such a way that we get discouraged, and we also should look for the failures as God moments as well, yeah. as opportunities to speak into a truth that will show how vulnerable we are, how real our faith is, yeah. and how real, therefore, the Lord can be in our kids. Yeah, and even failures, you know, even successes and crises, like those are all opportunities, like... You know, I, I tell I often tell a story of a dad who lost his job and immediately went home and told his family and said, you know what, we're going to trust God through this. And they did for the season. It was really hard. But when he got that job, they had a big party, went out to dinner, and they celebrated what God did. And their kids got to be a part of that. Huge. And so thinking about those boys that he has, if they ever lose their job someday, 
they have experience of what it means Absolutely. to rely on this. And, and even if they don't, they'll know the job came from God. Exactly. Either way, it's, yeah, a gift. it's a gift. So now they're not seeing themselves the way the culture does. Yep. And that's, again, in my space where I'm thinking in cultural terms. The culture says you are what you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's understand it's not what we do, it's what God has done. Exactly. The fact that Jesus did on the cross everything that needed to be done for us. So now our identity is found in him, and what I do is an expression of gratitude. Mm. Not something to earn grace, but to experience grace yeah. and to share grace. And so my work and the fact that I have this job and I can support my family isn't because I'm better than a homeless person. Yeah. It's grace. Yeah. Now, I work hard in that. There's a, there's a balance here. Yeah, there's yeah, a, there's sure. a partnership. As I work, God works. But that's an opportunity to teach our kids a principle that will apply to far more even than vocational issues. Man, so good. So uh, just keep it, not to keep you too long, um, I, this is the last question I love to ask everybody. Um, and put you on the spot and they, it's okay if you don't have an answer. Um, the parents are busy. And again, we've talked about not shaming or guilting them, but if they've listened to this podcast and they, they're, they're understanding of, of what this looks like, if, if you could give them one piece of advice that they can do tonight, like they can go home and apply this tonight or today or wherever they get home, like, what would be that go-to one thing, one piece of advice that if you could only say that, what would you what would you tell? Great question. I'm glad you're asking that of people along the way. That's terrific. My answer immediately is this. Let me back up and kind of explain it a little bit before I say it, or else it may not make a lot of sense. I've thought over the years and have experienced, unfortunately, the fact that self-sufficiency is spiritual suicide, mm. that attempting to do God's work in my strength is a pr- recipe for failure. So the enemy tempts me on two sides. The one side is not to try. The other side is to try in my own ability. Mm. On this podcast, we could be hearing, having people listening to us saying, I can't be a good parent in the sense you mean it, so I'm not going to try. Or others saying, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm yeah. going to get up earlier and stay up later and study longer and work harder. And I'll be better, but I still won't ultimately be able to succeed. The middle ground is to submit myself every day to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Mm. Ephesians 5.18 commands us to be filled with the Spirit. The Greek behind that says, be continually being controlled by the Spirit. Mm. Once you ask Christ to be your Savior, you become the child of God forever. You don't have to come back and redo that. But every single day, I have to decide if I'm going to be submitted to the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. The way I'll say it in our conference is, in our culture, God's a hobby. Mm. In the Bible, God's a king. Wow. Jesus began by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Seek first the kingdom of God. Um, Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When he comes back, he'll be king of kings and lord of lords. If God's your king, he's your king 24-7. Not just on Sunday, not just at church. I know there's a kind of a symbolic kingdom in England today, but if you're Henry VIII kingdom, I mean, you know, yeah. he, he owns the air you're breathing. He owns the clothes you're wearing. He owns these microphones we're talking on. Mm-hmm. And he's your king every minute of every day. That's God's intention for our lives. And the only way that works is I start every single day by asking the Holy Spirit to take control of my day. Mm. Every, I can't give him tomorrow because tomorrow doesn't exist. Yeah. Can't give God what doesn't exist. I can't give God Martians because there's no Martians, you know? As far as we know, I can't give him anything I don't know about. I can only give him what exists. What exists is this day. So Holy Spirit, be in charge of this day. Then as I walk through the day, pray about the opportunities, pray about the challenges. As we started talking for this podcast, I was praying, Holy Spirit, speak through me. And I heard myself say things I've never said before, things I didn't plan to say, and that's always fun. And then when we make a mistake, we ask God to forgive us. We ask the Spirit to restore us and control us. It's like plugging, remember the old power drills you had to plug in back in the day? You wouldn't plug it in, then start the job and unplug it. Yeah. You plug it in at the start of the job, and you keep it plugged in all through the job. Yeah. We stay plugged into the Holy Spirit. And if our parents every day will submit to the Spirit and ask the Spirit to help us be the parents God wants us to be, 
God is a father before mm. he's anything else. Yeah. He was our kids' father before we were their parents. He loves them even more than we do. Yeah, he does. If we'll ask the Holy Spirit every day to control us and empower us, he will give us wisdom we didn't have. We'll say things we didn't know to say. We'll have power and patience and encouragement and God moments and faith opportunities. And the Holy Spirit will work through us mm. if we'll stay submitted to him. Oh. If we don't do that, we'll do it in our strength and it won't work. So good. Thank you so much for your wisdom and, and for being on the podcast. And parents, just know you have what it takes because the Holy Spirit is within you. That's exactly right. Rely on him. And uh, it's so thankful to have you. I appreciate you. Today. Thank you for the conference and, and uh, what you're going to be sharing with the, with all our leaders. Uh, if, again, if you want more information, Jim Dennison or DennisonForm.org. Uh, you can find all uh, his content and all his stuff. Sign up for his emails. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Homes Podcast. For more content and information to connect church and home, please visit empoweredhomes.org.